Hi, I'm Nargis Hakim Rahman, and I'm bringing you a special series on Boney in collaboration with South Asian American Digital Archive about 10 of Metro Detroit's Bangladeshi women entrepreneurs. Learn more at sada, S-A-A-D-A dot org. Stay tuned. Today is April 6th, and I'm interviewing Samia Rahman, the co-founder of Pantry. Hi, Samia. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for having me. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Detroit, and so... I was basically uh, the middle child of seven and grew up in a big family, uh, huge, you know, South Asian community, Bangladeshi. And our whole neighborhood was, you know, a mix, very diverse. Did your, you know, your parents immigrate to the U.S.? And if so, like, when did they come here? And so uh, my mom, she was actually born and raised in England. And my dad moved here. I think he was one of the earliest Bangladeshi families to move here in the Michigan Hamtramck area. Uh, And so it was just him and his siblings basically living in some apartment downtown Detroit. Uh, And from there, my, you know, he married my mom. She moved here and we've been born and raised. We actually ended up like, I'm actually the only one out of my whole family who's ever been back to Bangladesh. It was only because I got married to someone back home, but none of my siblings have gone there to this day. What was it like, you know, as a a Bangladeshi family growing up in Detroit while you were younger? Yeah, growing up while I was younger, there was a big Bangladeshi community here. Um, However, my mom had me going to schools outside of Detroit, uh, more in like Dearborn and, you know, these other areas. So initially, I I didn't have that many Bangladeshi friends. The only South Asian community I had was mainly relatives. And, you know, relatives alone is huge because, you know, both sides of my parents' family I have like seven, eight kids and distant second cousins, third cousins. Uh, So grew up a lot with those interactions. And just I really didn't realize the difference that being a Bengali was compared to other ethnicities, uh, especially since uh, I went to like a majority Muslim school when I was in elementary school, especially uh, they were mainly like Muslim. So I thought, you know, Muslim was my identity (laughs) as opposed to just being Bengali. And then it was until high school when I went to a Detroit public school. I was the only Muslim, only Bengali there when I realized, you know, my true identity the differences between culture, religion, all of that. And tell me what was it like growing up in a big family? It was nice. I actually enjoyed my childhood and up bringing. Uh, I was the middle child. So we do strive for attention. You have your oldest sibling who's like always doing what's right, what's good. And then uh, after me, there was actually a six year gap before my younger sister came. So I was uh, very much spoiled. I even made people call me, you know, like we say Appi. Uh, so I, people used to call me Samia Appi. I used to make like my uncles and everyone call me that just because I wanted you know that respect <laughs> as our older siblings do. <laughs> So it was it was fun. It was huge, especially because like um, our grandma used to live with us. My dadubaya used to live with us. So because my parents took care of them and like, you know, people would come all constantly to our house just to greet them, just to see them. And it just felt so lively. And then, you know, later on, you find out how important family is. And I think even to my understanding of today, how to that sense of community by seeing my parents take care of their parents when they were older, it made me realize like, hey, it's my 
beauty kind of like I'm so willing to take care of my in-laws or my parents when the time comes and instead of sending them to retirement home but I mean that's all fine as well but I just feel like there's more sense of being with taking care of your elders <laughs> so tell me a little bit about um you know what what did you study in school and what are some you know things that you pursued throughout your life yeah an immigrant my mom really wanted us to really focus on our education something that she really didn't have that much she wasn't able to achieve herself um, and so she really made us join programs outside of the Bangladeshi community like Detroit area pre-college engineering programs from like yeah, I remember going to them when I was in kindergarten and she was also trying to get her associate's degree at Wayne County Community College at the same time. So both my parents, the one thing they agree on, because as you know, South Asian parents, they like, you know, they, they have their moments. But something that they agreed on was definitely our education and, you know, making that our number one priority and making sure that we're going to good schools and, you know, very knowledgeable, especially like my parents saw a lot of my siblings, like let's say my Baijan, right? He went to like Oakland International Academy and it was filled with a lot of other South Asians. And, you know, I think my parents saw that, you know, they're being negatively influenced as a result of that. And so um, like my Medropi, because she also went to that same school and saw the saw the impacts that it was having on my other brother, I guess they were trying to have her go to Cast Tech. And so just like yeah, education is very important, regardless of if it's out of the norm or not, because even us, we were, you know, early individuals or uh, within society, the Bangladesh community to go outside for college, right? We, we stayed in dorms and things like that. So yeah, and it's really made us appreciate our education as well. You know, what did you study in college? Where did you go to college? And how did that inspire you to where you are right now? Yeah, uh, in high school, basically, um, I was fortunate enough to get the Gates Millennium Scholarship. So I didn't have any limitations as to what school to go to or what career choice to have. So I was fortunate enough to be admitted to University of Michigan Ann Arbor. Uh, and so I was admitted to the College of Engineering. Uh, however, I was going through like internal dilemmas of like, I don't enjoy mechanical engineering that much. And so I, three years in, wanted to change the direction I was going in and actually want to be a teacher. And then a semester into that, I realized that, you know, education, you know, you can do that after any other career you want, you know, just by getting a teacher certification. I mean, it's not the easiest thing, but, you know, there are other alternatives to also pursuing education. And so I was kind of confused. Um, and fortunately, like, you know, since I was a high school student, I was I had a co-op at DTE. Uh, and so there I was exposed to, you know, computer science and like a lot of different things in that aspect. And I was genuinely like pretty good at it. Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm South Asian, <laughs> but I, we won't fall into that stereotype. I think it's back to my parents and education <laughs> that influence. So uh, anyways, I was so then that got that made my interest to pursue computer science. However, like by that time, at that point, I was, you know, my Gates Millennium Scholarship would only do five years of of undergrad. So I was kind of running out of time to pursue that fully. And so fortunately enough, I was taking enough side classes in Arabic Islamic studies. 
So I ended up being able to graduate from U of M with a Bachelor of Science because I took enough BS classes. It literally feels like that. And the degree was in Arabic, Armenian, Persian, Turkish, Islamic studies. And then from there, I was able to, within that same, within a year, um, I was able to get a second Bachelor's of Science from Wayne State University in computer science. And currently I'm pursuing my MBA, hence this entrepreneurship venture. So tell me about your business, Pantry. How did it come about? You know, what inspired you to even think about it? Yeah, so Pantry is basically a tech startup helping local individuals find local businesses to buy, whether it's groceries or any items locally. The way it came about was I was living in Hamtramck. And so I was just like, how come there aren't any retail stores around here like Kroger, Walmart, Target? You know, you have to drive all the way to Warren or some other place just to get those uh, items that you need. However, you know, the, the whole reason is because we have all these great local stores around us. But individuals like myself who are so used to, you know, the convenience of knowing what items are available in these retail stores where like, we don't want to waste our time going to these mom and pop shops. And so what I realized, it was actually during the fidget spinner time, I really wanted a fidget spinner and they're getting sold out everywhere. Uh, I was like, where can I get one from? <laughs> and, you know, uh, someone was telling me, hey, they're in the they're in the gas station. Like, why don't you just go there? And I was like, what? I didn't know they had them in the gas station. Had I known, I probably would have bought it from there, you know? So that's where that idea kind of started up back in 2017, pre-pandemic, where it was like, hey, um, let's try to find, you know, we have all the items that we probably want right around us, right where, you know, right where we're at. We just don't even just never thought to go inside to explore, especially since time is of the essence nowadays. The whole idea is that, you know, you can type up any product you want, whether it's a fidget spinner, whether it's toilet tissue come pandemic time, because I'm guessing, you know, mom and pop shops still had a good supply of toilet tissue paper where, you know, other stores were running out. So you can really, you would, you would have been able to to, or you should now be able to type in any product you want and find it in the stores that are nearby close to you in these mom and pop shops. Uh, and the thing is, it's it would be very user friendly for those mom and pop business owners, I guess, to upload those items, upload those products and have them available to you. Because the big gap is that they are predominantly, you know, first generation immigrants who own these shops. Uh, and they have some specialty rare items as well, which we can't find on Amazon, things like a budna or something like that, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> you can't just type that and find it <laughs> available for you. So you can definitely find these items nearby and just, you know, help these individuals and their businesses prosper as opposed to going to Amazon, especially with time, like you can find it right close to where you're at, probably even sooner than Amazon can to deliver it to you. So that was the whole concept. So just so I'm understanding properly, um, right now, the people who own the shops basically can upload like their inventory or say like, hey, we restocked on this. Do you also have like people, you know, spot check those things to see if if that's accurate from time to time? Yeah, definitely. So the way we have it right now is we have Shalal Grocery in Hamtramck and we're onboarding them right now. We actually went into their store, took pictures of all their product. Um, and so we have notes on there that they can indicate whether it's in 
stock or not. And then in addition to that, like you can even order it just like you would online. You can go through their one whole store or an area's locations, look at the products, choose it. And then you can even, so before you pay, you know, you'd have to actually pay either in the store or if they opt into, you know, delivery, then you can pay online or in person. So you can, you actually get that verification from the from the owner of that business store, whoever they're having access or they're providing access of the app for, um, and they can just verify it or let you know, you know, any alternatives. I actually did end up working for like two days at Amazon <laughs> and Whole Foods. I was helping uh, package items just to see how their process was as well. It's very similar where like, you know, click and go just like Kroger, things like that. Um, however, we're not charging these businesses big fees or service fees for every transaction they make because we understand these are mom and pop shops and that's really what we're targeting here. What, what made you drawn to featuring small mom and pop shops? felt like in society, we're starting to depend more on these retail businesses going to this capitalistic society where we're just spending ridiculously. You know, Amazon, Jeff Bezos is a billionaire, the richest man in the world. So why not give these mom and pop shops the opportunity that they deserve because they have these products available right there. You know, it's I think what really drew me was when I started talking to them and I started being like, wow, they're like, they just moved here. Um, you know, they're, they're recent immigrants or, and once you start browsing the actual store, it's so amazing the, the items that they have there. I think that they're really overlooked a lot, especially with these other platforms growing. And so uh, even like Instacart, I thought that they would be doing something similar, right? You'd think Instacart would have these mom and pop shops, but they're actually focused on these larger retail stores. And so it's just, like Hamtramck specifically doesn't have any of those stores like Meyer Walmart because they don't want to put a dent in the, in the community who are mainly thriving on these local businesses or like that's their main demographic, I guess. And so I because I remember there was that one lot available was in it and people were saying like, why not get a Walmart here and things like that. And I remember the buzz about, hey, we shouldn't do that because these mom and pop shops. And even then you had like Farmer Jack, right? You had all these other stores where, you know, Alhara Main is currently and, you know, they just kept switching it up and it didn't seem like they were able to survive here because of the immigrant community. And we were, we wanted our halal foods and things like that. That's another thing is like, we have specific things that we need, whether, you know, being Muslims, whether being Indian or, you know, South Asian, you know, turmeric, things like that, you know, different spices, like you could only find those certain places. So having that availability. And then on top of that, I remember when we were initially uh, thinking about it, it was also about like Eid, right? Our kameez is closed. So like, you know, instead of going through the last minute haul of trying to find that seller kameez the day before Eid, you can just like literally browse, you know, in, instead of waiting on Utsav to 30 days <laughs> to get a, a seller kameez or something, you can literally just find it available close, close without even trying it on. You can just see what's out there. So for Pantry, did you, did you have to crowdfund to kind of get this start uh, started like a startup? Yeah, so we actually 
originally started in 2017. I started with a few friends. The thing is like, because it's a tech startup, I have a background in computer science. I have a lot of tech savvy friends. So the main thing that we went off is equity, right? Because right now, you know, we're waiting to generate that profit, that revenue. So it's really about shares. And because we initially started as friends and it was a part-time gig, it was it was something very different, difficult to maintain. I think the friend part there, especially when starting a new business, like it's hard to really, especially like when you're in these leadership roles and to change that dynamic between friends and business. So that ended up not, we weren't able to progress that well. Um, and we were actually called localized at the time. Uh, and then since then, uh, I found these other individuals through different avenues who were interested in this come 2020. And so we started it up again. We're actually making so much progress. We have about five to six stores on board right now, like we're onboarding them. And within around two months or so, we probably would be have we'll be having our beta launch and available for customers to actually view the products around them. So lots of progress, especially since it's a side gig for all of us, you know, until that we see that revenue and that profit coming through. And the other plan is to actually start joining where we plan on applying to different incubator programs like V, you know, venture capitalists and and try to get funding through that route. So fortunately, we've not needed to crowdfund as of yet because we have the sources. And yeah, I think just co-founding it was a big benefit. What are some of the initial challenges you've had while opening this um, business? Some of the initial challenges, I think, would be being a woman <laughs> and going into these stores, especially since predominantly these stores are male dominated and male immigrants at that. And so trying to convince them. Well, actually, a lot of people were very opening, but I just think it was as far as comfort level and like just making sure that they understood. And this is an actual thing that going to be happening, I guess. The other challenge I would say is being motivated because, you know, you are your own boss in a sense and you have to figure out, prioritize, like, do you, this is a, a huge time commitment. And so at times it's like demotivating when you don't see progress. You know what I mean? Like, especially like with the pandemic, it would have been the most vital time for us to thrive in, but we just didn't have the development done as of, you know, in terms of timing. But I guess everything happens for a reason. And I learned to, you know, be like, hey, all of us are working hard on this. And as long as one person in our team is motivated and, you know, we can really spread that positivity. And that really helps actually the whole team continue and get that momentum back going because that's what happens is like you know it gets difficult there's a bump in the road and it's easy to give up but not this time <laughs> what does it mean for you to be a bangladeshi female entrepreneur putting those identities together really makes me realize that it's basically being a representation for my ethnicity for my gender for my religion and even in like the tech startup realm as well like uh, I think that it's important to, for our younger generation to see individuals like myself so then they could they could be they can aspire to uh, and realize that they have the potential to go beyond what we're even showing them so I think that it's really important because I wasn't able to see anyone 
you know, or have some sort of role model. You think of role models, you think of Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, you know, but where is your Samia? You know, so that's what I'm trying to strive to be. (laughs) Did you see other female entrepreneurs growing up and how did that affect you um, on this journey? Yeah, honestly, I've not seen any other female entrepreneurs or like I probably had, but I probably didn't put too much emphasis on it or I don't I don't believe it's impacted me that significantly. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just one of the things that I learned early on was like problem solving. And so that's what led me to being an entrepreneur. That was important. But had I seen someone like myself, I probably would have started a lot earlier on. Did you ever feel like you were discouraged by not having uh, more women entrepreneurs around you? I think that I've not really given it too much thought. You know, for me, this was not necessarily an accident, but it's been just a journey for me, right, to get to where I'm at. I think when I see other South Asians flourishing with their businesses, like, you know, you see Humaira with like booby skin, Festive Essentials, you with the great work you're doing, like that's part of that motivation factor that I needed to help me continue. You know what I mean? Like, look, I can't just give up here. These are all these other powerhouse women who are also doing it, who are also, you know, doing great things for the community, for, you know, representation. You know, I took a class on from harems to terrorists. So like, um, it's all all about the narrative media's portrayal of Muslim women, you know, um, and things like that. So this was just, this is just another way for us to share our narrative, to, to humanize us as South Asians, Muslim women, and to show that, you know, we have skills that are helpful for society or are beneficial to a lot of individuals through the products we're providing. Where do you draw your inspiration from? I think a lot of my inspiration comes from my belief, knowing that be good to thy neighbor, be a good person and help those in need, help the less fortunate. I think that's what inspires me to be live to my best potential or fullest potential because I'm so fortunate enough to grow up in America. You know what I mean? Like I could have been in Bangladesh. I could have been someone who didn't have the opportunities I have now. And I think that's what inspires me is like, you know, I have this, so I need to make use of it and I should give back and I should show that whether you're born in Bangladesh or somewhere else, like you can live to your full potential. What is your favorite part of being co-founder of this business? My favorite part is really, you know, working together on something that you believe in and something that you can say, hey, I'm doing this. I'm starting this. And especially working with such a diverse team, even though I'm the only woman of a four group team uh, that you have like, you know, uh, Chinese you know, white. And so it's like, it's pretty diverse in terms of just between the four of us. And it's a lot of fun to be working on something you're passionate about. I think that passion is what is the only thing that can keep you going. And so that's the most fun and especially doing something positive. So tell me a little bit about your family life now. Because pantry is a part-time job for me, uh, or actually a full-time but part of my day job. So I also am a mom to a two-year-old, and I work full-time uh, at DTE as a senior analyst with data, data science, and so, and obviously being a wife 
and a daughter. I try to visit my mom and have her come visit every other weekend, like me go there every week. And, uh, you know, I'm a sibling. So constantly, you know, because at the end of the day, especially with this pandemic, you know, your, your family is you realize like that's your core, whether it's like, you know, my family that I'm making right now or the family that I grew up being a part of and especially with my family that's huge uh i'm so fortunate to have it's like um another job as well <laughs> what how do you feel like you um balance your you know all your different roles that you have i don't know if i'm balancing it but <laughs> i think at the end of the day as long as i'm making progress in every aspect that's all that matters the highlight of my day-to-day -day is just being a good mom to my daughter i think that's really one of the most important things to me right now and being a, being a role model for her means that I'm being good at all these other things I have going on as well. What do you want people to know about your journey? If someone had to take something away from my story, it would be that when you have all the odds against you as far as being a woman, being of color and being Muslim and also, you know, on another note, having mental health issues, I actually um, have ADHD. So having that also is, you know, despite all of th those titles and names and labels, you're still able to prosper. You're still able to achieve the success that you set out to do. And so as long as you have that determination, you have that motivation, you have that support, you can do anything you set your mind to. I am literally like a star of the solar system. So each one of us has our own stories. Each one of us has something else to bring to the table. And I think it's just, are we open to hear it? Are we open to understand it and take away the goodness in whatever I have thrown out there to the world? <laughs> What would you like people to know about Detroit's Bangladeshi entrepreneurs? I think that uh, recently there's been a lot of entrepreneurs coming out of Detroit and it's been so amazing to see. I think that we are just getting started. There's several others, other great things that you guys are going to see from this community. And you know, this is, we're probably going on to our third generation here in Detroit. And so uh, there is so much more uh, that, that will come out of it, I believe. And what else, um, you know, what's next for you? Short term is to make Pantry to success. Hopefully you'll be seeing Pantry logos everywhere, all across Detroit, all across Hamtramck. And from there, maybe broadening it out or, you know, even going globally, because I think stores in South Asia can prosper from such a tool, you know, from what I've seen there. So uh, I, I think that hopefully you'll see more to come by, you know, seeing Pantry, which is will hopefully be synonymous to me. <laughs> but uh, long term aspirations is really, I don't know, I think at the end of the day, I just want to give back to the community. So like either going back to Bangladesh, opening up a school or something I can do to give back. Well, I want to thank you again for giving me your time and talking to me about Pantreed. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure and I'm honored to be, you know, someone you're willing to talk to in an interview. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Learn more at Sada, S-A-A-D-A dot org. Stay tuned.